Hello folks and welcome to the Comedy Corner here on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. My name is Graham Stevens and I really hope that I can bring a smile to your face. Why do only fools and old work Hello there and welcome back. This week two pieces of comedy from two different decades, but both were pieces of their time. First of all, Hancock from the 60s with The Student Prince, and then from the 80s, Yes Minister. Tony Hancock, Bill Kerr, Sidney James, Andre Melly, and Kenneth Williams in... Hancock's half hour. Come in. Mr. Sidney James. That's right. My name is Baron von Klappenberg. I am the Moravian ambassador to London. I'm here on behalf of my government. I understand you are a man who, for a reasonable price, is prepared to accept certain jobs with no questions asked. Well, no, not me. I do ask questions. I'm going to ask one now. How much are you paying? Twenty thousand pounds. A very good answer. I'll do it. <laughs> now, listen carefully. As you know, Moravia is a very small country in Central Europe. Go on. I want you to do something that will help our crown prince. On Wednesday next, our beloved Prince Ferdinand is due to be crowned King of Moravia. But there are people in our country who would do anything rather than see this happen. It is certain they would try to assassinate the prince on his coronation day. So what are you going to do? We must find a stand-in for the prince at the coronation. Someone who looks just like him. Then when our enemies try to assassinate him, we will be ready for them. They will be crushed. The danger will be past, and the prince can safely take his rightful place upon the throne. Very good. But where do I come in? You must find a double for us. Preferably someone who's not too intelligent. Someone who won't suspect what we are doing. <laughs> and someone who will not realize the danger he is walking into. I leave it to you to make up some story to tell him so that he won't suspect anything. Yes. Tell me, uh, what does the prince look like? Here is a photograph of him. Oh, darling, it's amazing. The resemblance. He looks just like a bloke I know. <laughs> the, the prince is short, fat, and I know his highness will forgive me. He walks rather like a flat-footed duck. <laughs> yes. Fat, short, not too bright, flat-footed duck. Your troubles are at an end, Baron. I think I've got the very man for you. I'm sorry, Sid. I'm not going to Baravia, and that's that. <laughs> so that's your final answer. Correct. What a pity. And I thought you'd jump at the chance of becoming an international star of the theatre. Pardon? I specially asked for you. It's a wonderful part. What's a wonderful part? Well, it, it, it's a sort of a... Well, look, the Moravian government is holding a grand open-air drama festival next Wednesday. 
Yeah, that's it. Unique. Oh. Never been done before. Instead of having an open-air theatre, they're using the old town. No stage. Marvellous. Yes. All the actors will be riding about the streets in carriages and on horseback. Into yes. the cathedral, back to the palace. All chatting their lines. Marvellous. Yes. And in, and in full costume, hundreds of thousands of people lining the streets watching. Like they do at the coronation. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> you see, it's so much more realistic than using a little stage and painted scenery. Do it in the natural setting, like they... Well, like they do Joe Macbeth at Elsinore Castle in Palestine every year. My word. Hey? Yes, that sounds very good. Yes, and I wanted you to play the lead. Still, if you don't want to do it... Uh, just, just, want... just, just a minute. What play are they doing? Eh? Uh, oh, the student prince. Oh. Hmm. And me, I, I suppose That's I... That's it. You're playing the prince. Yes. Yes, I suppose so. <laughs> it is rather me, isn't it? Blind opera. I've always fancied the red tunic with the yellow twiddly bits. The white tights showing up the old musty fires there. <laughs> the black four-foot-eye Wellingtons. Marvellous, yes, the student prince. Overhead, the moon is beaming white like blossoms on the bow. Yes, that's me. <laughs> I'm just the boy for the operetta. You should have seen me in the chocolate soldier down at the home guard zillow. <laughs> A sensation. Yeah, well, look, I better warn you. Bits of it are being rewritten. Really? Yes, to, to fit the new sort of production. Oh, of course. Yes. yes. I believe they're putting in a big coronation scene at the end. I see. Yeah. Then they've written in a bit where you go out onto the balcony after you've been crammed and talk to the people. Oh, a sort of a curtain speech when the play is finished. Yeah, exactly. Curtains for you. <laughs> By the way, don't be surprised if at any time during the play, blokes sort of crop up and start firing and slinging bombs at you. No? No, they're, they're written in that as well. Well, it's a twist, isn't it? Yeah. I <laughs> uh, don't wish to be sorted, but how, how much are they paying me? Let me think. Yes. £20,000 less. Well, uh, they can't afford very much. It's a poor country, bankrupt in a very bad way. Yeah, how, how bad? Five of the jobs, seven and six expenses. <laughs> how about doing the beggar's opera instead? <laughs> Still, it'll be good prestige, I suppose, won't it? Of course it will. Now, you go and pack. I'll meet you at the airport tonight. See you. Right. Ah, student prince. Drink, drink. Now, come on. Help me get all my clothes packed. Empty the wardrobe. I'm taking everything, the lot. Uh, uh, this is going to be a bit of a problem. What is? How to get it all in a carrier bag. <laughs> well, why don't you buy yourself a suitcase? I've got one, a big travelling trunk. Then why don't you use that? I can't. Bill going in there. <laughs> well, it cuts down on the fares. Hey, everybody ready? Ah, oh, William, you finished packing? No, this is terrible. I looked in the wardrobe and there's nothing there. I haven't got any clothes to take with me. What's wrong with the pinstripe you've got on? These are my pyjamas. <laughs> well, that's all right. Put a crease down the front. Sling a camera around your neck, talk with an American accent. Nobody knows the difference. (laughs) 
Uh, come on. Sid's waiting for us at the airport. Go on, William. Now climb into the trunk. And remember, not a word till we're through the customs. Announce the departure of flight 325 for Moravia in 10 minutes. Will passengers please go to the customs hall for luggage inspection? Thank you. <laughs> right, that's us. Is Billy locked up safe in a trunk? Hey, yes, he's all right. He's asleep, I expect. Well, come on, we better hurry up and get through the customs. The plane's waiting to take off. Won't take long. Look, there's a customs bloke not doing anything. He'll pass us through. Oh, yes. Good morning, my man. My party's in a bit of a hurry. We're flying to Moravia. It's the only plane leaving today, and we must get there tonight. The plane leaves in a few minutes. All the other passengers are on, and they're just waiting for us. So I wonder if you could just mark our luggage and let us go straight through. No, I can't. I've lost me choke. <laughs> you lost it, you? <laughs> of course, it had to be you, didn't it? Now, come on, let's get through. We're in a hurry. It's always the same, isn't it? <laughs> Everybody who comes up to me for customs inspection is in a hurry. <laughs> I'm the slowest bloke in the airport. <laughs> Charming. Well, I've been here for two years now, and I think I can honestly say that nobody who's come to me for customs clearance has ever caught his plane. Well, we must catch it. It's the only one. We've got to get to Moravia. All right, all right. Now, let's see. Have you read this notice? Yes, yes. Beautifully worded, isn't it? <laughs> now, then, the first question... Have you got anything to declare? No. Ah, uh, no, come on, you must have. Come on. No. All those suitcases. Ah, oh, stop mucking about. I tell you, honestly, I tell you, I haven't got anything. Oh, I bet you have. We haven't. No. Go on, what you got? Oh, I know your type. Next thing you'll do is give me something to close me eyes. Yeah, I got a couple of fish here doing nothing. Now, what are you? The plane's leaving in two minutes. Oh, I got some more questions first. Have you got any livestock in any of those suitcases? Well, uh, no, I. Your eyes flicker then. <laughs> I'm suspicious. That means I've got to make an examination. Oh. Come on now, open those cases. We haven't got time. Open those cases. But the plane, we'll miss it. Open those cases. Oh, all right. There. Just as I thought, smuggling livestock out of the country. I beg your pardon, I'm not livestock. <laughs> Oh, yes, you are. This is serious, is it? You're not allowed to smuggle men out of the country? Supposing everybody did it. There'd only be me and 25 million women left. <laughs> Where's me chalk? 
Oh, come on, hurry up. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I've got to see if there's anything else in the trunk apart from him. Now, let's have a look. Will Mr. Hancock's party from Arabia please take their seats on the plane? The pilot is waiting to take off. We cannot delay the plane any longer. Quick, that's us. They're going without us. Come on, quick, grab the trunk. All right, I'm with you. Runway four, over there. Quick, run. Quick, up the steps. Right. All in? Yes. Just made it. Whew. That was close. Well, better let Bill out the trunk. I bet he's cramped in there. Yes, well, there doesn't seem to be anything else in here. <laughs> I think we can pass this trunk. Well, where's me chalk? What are you doing on the plane? On the plane? Oh, you are rotten. <laughs> you might have waited till I got out before you closed the lid. It's all your fault. Oh, shut up. Yes, it's all right. But it's all right. You know, why are they trying to get rid of Will all passengers from the London plane please go to the main hall for customs inspection? Oh, no, not another customs inspection. Don't worry, it's all taken care of. They're expecting us. Hey, Sid, who's that foreign-looking guy waving at you? Oh, that's the Moravian ambassador. Excuse me a minute. Ah, oh, Mr. James, we meet again. I must congratulate you. I've seen this man, Hancock. It is remarkable. If I did not know Prince Ferdinand was under guard, locked up in the castle, I would say that was him standing there. Only the trace gives him away. The prince would never wear spats with his plus four as it was in the <laughs> And the Davy Crockett hat. <laughs> Otherwise, he is quite perfect. The assassins will be completely fooled. I thought you'd be pleased. He doesn't suspect the real reason why he has been bought here. No, he hasn't got a clue. He's as dim as they make him, he is. He thinks he's starring in an open-air production of The Student Prince. He's brought his music with him. Oh, excellent. <laughs> now... Here is the plan. He will first drive to the palace in an open car, then to dinner with government. Then tomorrow, the coronation, if he lasts that long. What do you mean? Mr. James, from now until when and if he leaves Moravia, Mr. Hancock's life is in constant danger. Let us go. Our six royal cars are over there. Hancock will be in the front one, wearing the prince's uniform. Right. I'll be in the back one, wearing a tin helmet. Good luck. I'll see you at the palace. Farewell. All set, Sid? Yeah, the cars are waiting. We're all driving up to the Royal Palace. The Royal Palace? Yeah. It's, uh, well, it's the hotel we're staying at. Oh, here. you better put this uniform on. What, dress rehearsal started already? Hey, Sid, the cars are waiting for us. All right, now that's yours, Hancock. The open one in front with a big chauffeur. Thank you, my man. Ah, this is the life. I never got treated like this when I played buttons in Woolwich. people on the pavements. Thousands of them. I wonder who they're cheering. You! They recognized you. They must have seen your picture in the Radio Times. Oh, I didn't even recognize that myself. <laughs> they seem to like me, though, don't they? 
That's strange. That bit of road blew up just behind us. <laughs> very bad, you know, very bad, that. Leaking gas mains with all these people about. <laughs> Somebody might get hurt. Wonder if Sid's all right. What happened? I thought so. The first attempt on the prince's life. Someone threw a bomb and missed. They didn't miss us, how did they? <laughs> did you say you did it? Unfortunately, no. Well, it shouldn't be difficult to find him. Arrest every cross-eyed man in the country. He'll be there. <laughs> we will just have to wait until the next attempt. Well, we should be safe next time. I can see where we are now. There's no top left on the car. <laughs> Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you all. Talk at them. Well, you're the prince. What are they talking about? They can't mean me. Sid told me this had happened. They mean the producer, Prince Littler. He's put the money up for the show. I say... Marvellous audiences, aren't they? It'll be a good show tomorrow if they're as keen as this. I think they want me to do a turn for them. I'll stand up and give them a song. Overhead, the moon is deep. <laughs> Ning. White like blossom. Did you hear something? Yes, Sid's having trouble with his car again. He's blown a gasket. Oh, yes, well, he didn't put any water in the radiator, I'll bet. Oh, well. White like blossoms on the bow. Nothing is heard but the... <laughs> Rather bad. Feeling all the air with... <laughs> Shrapnel... Royal Palace is a bit big for an hotel, isn't it? Nice, though. Lovely room Sid's booked for us. I like the two big gold chairs next to each other on the platform. <laughs> up the end there. It's a long way to drag up to the fireplace, though. <laughs> Still, it's a lovely place. Yeah, it was a I pity mean... about the balcony collapsing, though, just as you were waving to the crowd. <laughs> yes, poor old Sid. The only one who didn't step back in time. <laughs> Still, I rang the hospital. He's all right. He's only got concussion. They're letting him out in time for the banquet tonight. I hope they got a good old spread. I'm starving. Ah, Mr. James... I trust you are feeling better now. Who is it? Oh, it's you. Hey, Ambassador, I can just see you through the chink of my bandages. <laughs> oh, my head. Certainly earning your 20,000 nicker. 
Never mind. It's all in a good cause. Our enemies have not succeeded yet. Well, I better hurry up. I can't take much more. <laughs> but we must still be on guard. They will stop at nothing to get rid of the prince. Oh, I noticed. They won't get me anymore. I'm being extra careful now. Every time I cross the road, I look left, right, up and down. Nothing <laughs> more is going to happen to me. Don't you worry. Uh, the banquet is going well. Mr. Hancock seems to be enjoying himself. Oh, delicious. Some of the finest hors d'oeuvres I ever crossed teeth with. <laughs> What's next, me good flunky? Soup, matey. Matey? Must be a democracy. No, thank you. I don't fancy the soup. Eat it. It's been prepared. Special. No, I don't think so. Sid, would you like some soup? Yeah, I'll have it. Give us a little. Lovely, isn't it? Hello, Sid's gone again. Sid, get up, behave yourself. There's no way to show your disapproval of the soup. Rolling about the floor with a green face. I trust you are feeling better this morning. Oh, my stomach. The doctor says I'll leave hospital in time for the coronation. But I don't want to. I want to stop here. I'm safer here. No, no, you must be at the ceremony. The assassins will have to strike again today. It's their last chance. And this time we shall be ready. We shall crush them. And it will be safe for our beloved prince to show himself to his people and the crown that is the real coronation. He gets crowned as many times as I've been. He's welcome. <laughs> By the way, how many people know that Hancock isn't really Prince Ferdinand? Just you, me, and the Prime Minister. Even the Prince's wife, Katerina, does not know. Wife? Blimey, I haven't told Hancock we've written in a wife for him. Where is he? He is in his dressing room, changing, ready for the performance. Mmm. Ah, oh, the big day. The grand opening. I hope they like me. What other sort of notices I'll get? It's about time I had some good ones. I can't keep putting up, I think this boy's good, signed mum, outside broadcasting us. <laughs> How's me throat? Harry <laughs> Seacom. Better watch out when I get back to England. I've got a feeling I'm going to be pretty good today. Ferdinand, Ferdinand, at last you come back to me. Ferdinand, oh, Ferdinand. <laughs> I think you made a mistake. The bull rings down the road. <laughs> oh, Ferdinand, kiss me. Thank you very much. Very kind of you. Have we met? Oh, Ferdinand, I know we haven't seen each other for six weeks, but surely you remember me. I'm your wife, Katerina. 
Hello, the old Dodge. She's after me pension. <laughs> oh, Ferdinand, I missed you so much. When they told me you'd gone on holiday and wouldn't be back till the coronation, I thought I'd die. Kiss me. Kiss me. She's stone bonkers. <laughs> I'll have her thrown out in a couple of hours, Don. Oh, oh, the six children have missed you. Hello, that's quick. <laughs> oh, Ferdinand, come here. Come closer. Might as well. I'm not on for a couple of hours. You're different somehow. You look just the same, but you're different. Perhaps it's my imagination. Well, I've got the makeup on, you know. Perhaps it just... Oh, sit down, my darling. Let me look at you. Oh, how I've longed for this moment. You and I together. I haven't seen you for so long. Well, that's your fault. I, I was at Glasgow Empire last week. Yeah. <laughs> Finsbury Park Empire, a week out. Chiswick Empire. Oh, how you must have traveled these last weeks. The empires of the world. <laughs> Never leave oh. me. Hold me tight, <clears throat> my darling. Tighter, yes. tighter. Madam, please, your coronet's jabbing into me order of the Moravian Empire. <laughs> Husband, dear, it's not a coronet. It's the pin of a bomb. Hey? Oh, you didn't suspect that your wife was trying to get rid of you, did you? You didn't think I was the assassin they've all been searching for? Madam, there's some mistake. I'm just a strolling player, a mere mummer. I didn't to know. I've kill you for years. You've humiliated me enough, you and your sordid court intrigues. You didn't think I knew about you and Princess Gladys? Of Schleswig-Holstein, did you? I've never met the woman. The only royalty I know are on what's my line. You wronged me for the last time. It is my misfortune that I still love you, but no other woman is going to have you. I have this bomb. We shall die together. Oh, charming. <laughs> Madam, I'm not your husband. I'm an actor over here doing the student prince. Too late, Ferdinand. The pin is out. We have ten seconds to live. Princess Katharina. You, Baron von Klappersburg. Did I? I overheard everything. You are under arrest. You will never take me. I have this bomb. One step nearer. That she's dropped the bomb. It's rolling across the floor. Look out, it stopped us by the door. Quick, everybody duck. Take cover. Hey, what's going on in here? Sid, I, uh, I trust you're feeling better this morning. Yeah, the doctor says my legs will be out of plaster next week. <laughs> Quite a trip, wasn't it? My only regret is that I didn't get the chance of playing the student prince out there after all. I was so looking forward to it. Never mind, Tub, you've got your chance tonight. Yeah, I, I thought it over. And the least I could do was to fix you to this really nice date. In fact, I've never seen the Chatham Empire so crowded. Two thousand sailors and marines out there waiting for you. Yeah, the first appearance of Tony Hancock in musical comedy, The Student Prince. It was very good of you to fix it for me, Sid. 
At least it'll be a bit different to Moravia. I, I won't have to worry about bombs and bullets halfway through this performance. Go on, Mr. Hancock. Go on, Tom. Go out there and make musical history. And me and Sid will watch from the wings. White light blossoms on the bow. Sad, but strong of a bird. You fill the air with music. Bring down the curtain. Come off, quick. Don't worry, they haven't touched me. I know, but Sid was walking across the stage behind the scenery and talked a lot. This has been Hancock Harper, starring Tony Hancock, with Bill Kerr, Sidney James, Andre Melly, and Kenneth Williams. Incidental music was composed and orchestrated by Wally Stott, played by the BBC Augmented Review Orchestra, conducted by Harry Rabinowitz. The show, which was recorded, was written by Ray Galton and Alan Simpson, and produced by Dennis May Wilson. You are listening to The Comedy Corner here on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. And that was an episode of Hancock, entitled The Student Prince. Now here is Yes Minister with challenge. And the main news this Thursday PM is the big government reshuffle. And I have with me in the studio to discuss his new empire, the Minister for Administrative Affairs, the Right Honourable James Hacker MP. It's been said, Mr Hacker, that you are now Mr Town Hall as well as Mr Whitehall. Well, it's very flattering of you to put it that way. Well, it wasn't me who put it that way, Mr. Hacker. It was the Daily Mirror. (laughs) I just wanted to confirm that you are now this country's chief bureaucrat. (laughs) Of course, that's nonsense. This government believes in reducing bureaucracy. Well, figures I have here say that your department's staff has risen by 10%. Certainly not. Well, what figure do you have? I believe the figure is much more like (laughs) (laughs) 9.97. Well, you see, it has been suggested, Mr. Hacker, that your department is less interested in reducing bureaucracy than in increasing it. Well, yes. But that's because we've had to take on more staff in order to reduce staff. (laughs) Well, it's common sense. We have to take on more doctors to cure more patients, more firemen to extinguish more fires. Well, how do you propose to extinguish local government bureaucracy? Well, it's a challenge, and I'm looking forward to it. But would you agree that there's even more bureaucratic waste there than there is in Whitehall? Well, yes, that's what makes it a challenge. How are you going to meet the challenge? Ah, it's far too early to give detailed proposals. After all, I've just come here direct from number 10. From number 9.97, then. <laughs> but the uh, broad strategy is to cut ruthlessly at waste while leaving essential services intact. Well, that's what your predecessor said, Are you saying that he failed? Please, let me finish, because we must be absolutely clear about this, and I want to be quite frank with you. The plain (laughs) fact of the matter is that at the end of the day, it is the right, nay, the duty of the elected government in the House of Commons to ensure that government policy, the policies on which we were elected and for which we have a mandate, the policies, after all, for which the people voted, are the policies (laughs) which... Finally, when the national cake has been divided up, and may I remind you, we as a nation don't have unlimited wealth, 
that we can't pay ourselves more than we've earned, are the policies... I'm sorry, what was the question again? I'm just asking you, Mr. Hacker, whether you would agree that your predecessor had failed. Oh, sir, no, on the, on the contrary. No. It's just that this job is an enormous... Challenge? Exactly. <laughs> Incidentally, I heard your chap on the radio yesterday, Humphrey. Hmm? Hmm. He sounded as if he wanted to do things about your new local government remit. He kept calling it a challenge. Congratulations, Humphrey. Oh, I'm very kind. You'll Thank soon you. be even more important than Arnold here. Yes, I expect. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I do want to be quite clear about this, Humphrey. I would never have given you local government if I thought you were going to let Hacker do anything about it. Well, I'm sure he won't be able to. Nobody else has. <laughs> That's not the point, Humphrey. We've found in the past that all local government reforms rebound on us. Whenever anybody finds a way of saving money or cutting staff in local government, you'll find it works for Whitehall just as well. Yes, but local government is extravagant, overstaffed and incompetent, whereas we... <laughs> exactly so. I know my duty, Arnold. And if he does need something to keep him busy, you know what to do? Hmm? Get him to look into civil defence. <laughs> Civil defence. You mean fallout shelters? <laughs> yes. Governments long ago decided that civil defence was not a serious issue. No, merely a desperate one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's therefore best left to those whose incompetence can be relied upon. Local authorities. <laughs> <laughs> but the highest duty of government is to protect its citizens. <laughs> Presumably that's why they leave it to the borough councils. <laughs> Minister, may I have a brief word? It's about a proposal I worked out before we were transferred to this department. And you are... I am... What? Yes, you are... What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I am Dr. Cartwright. Uh, but if I may put it another way, Minister, what are you? <laughs> I'm C of E. <laughs> No, I think the minister means what function do you perform in the department? Don't you know? Uh, yes, I know, but the minister wants to know. I'm a professional economist, director of local administration statistics. Oh, and you were running the local authority directorate before we took it over. Oh, dear me, no. Sir Gordon Reid was the permanent secretary. I'm just under secretary rank. I fear I shall rise no higher. Oh, why not? Alas, I'm an expert. <laughs> On what? On the whole thing. It's all in here. What's, what's this all about? Controlling council expenditure. I'm proposing that all council officials responsible for a new project would have to list their criteria for failure before they were given the go-ahead. What do you mean? It's a basic scientific approach. You must first establish a method of measuring the success or failure of an experiment. Then when it's completed, you can tell whether it succeeded. Or failed. <laughs> a proposal would have to state this scheme would be a failure if it lasts longer than this or costs more than that, uh, if it employs more staff than these or fails to meet these preset performance standards. That's fantastic. But you could never make it work. Of course you can. It's all in there. 
Bernard, this is my top priority reading for the weekend. Why hasn't been done before? I can't understand. I put it up several times and it was always welcomed most warmly. But Sir Gordon always seemed to have something more urgent on when we were due to discuss it. Well, you've come to the right place this time. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Minister. This is marvellous, isn't it, Bernard? Oh, uh, yes. Well, it's, uh, uh, that is, it's, uh, it's very well presented, Minister. Sir Humphrey will be fascinated, don't you think? Well, he's on his way here now. I'm sure he'll give his views. What are you saying, Bernard? Yes, well, as I say, I think that he'll think that it's beautifully typed. <laughs> ah, Minister. Ah, Humphrey. Come in. Uh, sit down. Thank you, Minister. Now, local authorities, what are we going to do? Minister, this new remit gives you more influence, more cabinet seniority, but you do not let it have to give you any more work or worry. That would be foolish. Look, Humphrey, we've got to stop this appalling waste and extravagance that's going on. Why? <laughs> yes, why? Well, it's my job. With the government, we were elected to govern. Oh, really, Minister? <laughs> But surely you don't intend to tamper with the democratic rights of freely elected local government representatives? <laughs> no, of course not. Local government isn't democratic. Local democracy is a farce. And the vast majority of people don't even know how their councillor is. And they never vote in a local election. And those who do simply regard it as a popularity poll for the government here in Westminster. Local councillors in practice are accountable to nobody. They're public-spirited citizens, selflessly sacrificing their spare time. Have you ever met any? Occasionally, when there was no alternative. <laughs> half of them are self-centered busybodies on an ego trip, and the other half are in it for what they can get out of it. Uh, perhaps they ought to be in the House of Commons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to see how a proper legislative assembly behaves. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm going to get a grip on them. I have a plan. You have a plan? <laughs> yes. I'm going to insist that any local official who puts up a plan costing more than, say, £10,000 must accompany it with failure standards. With what? With a statement saying that he will have failed if his project does not achieve certain preset results or achieve fixed time or staff or budget limits. Mr. Where did you get the idea for this dangerous nonsense? someone in the department. Minister, I have warned you before about the dangers of speaking to people in the department. <laughs> I implore you to stay out of the minefield of local government. It is a political graveyard. Uh, but excuse me, Sir Humphrey, you cannot have a graveyard in a minefield <laughs> because all the corpses would... <laughs> but you got me this job, you said. Yes, but I didn't expect you to do anything. <laughs> I mean, you've never done anything before. Griff, <laughs> I am deaf to your no, Please, I no, beg you. No, 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 Humphrey. I want specific proposals straight away and immediate plans for their implementation by local government. Don't know why you're in such a fuss about it anyway. I'm only proposing failure standards for local government, not here in Whitehall. <laughs> Though, come to think of it... <laughs> If you insist on interfering in local government, may I make a suggestion that could prove a very real vote winner? Humphrey, I want to hear no more about 
Both enough. An area of local government that needs urgent attention. What? Civil defence. <laughs> you mean fallout shelters? Surely they're just a joke. Precisely, Minister. At the moment, they are a joke. Local authorities are dragging their feet, but the highest duty of any government is to protect its citizens. Some people think that the building of shelters makes nuclear war more likely. Well, if you have the weapons, you must have the shelters. Sometimes wonder why we need the weapons. Minister, you're not a unilateralist. Sometimes wonder, you know. Well, then you must resign from the government. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I'm not that unilateralist. <laughs> the Americans will always protect us from the Russians, won't they? Russians? Who's talking about the Russians? Well, the independent deterrent. It's to protect us against the French. <laughs> But they've been our enemies for most of the past 900 years. <laughs> if they got the bomb, we must have the bomb. Well, if it's for the French, of course that's different. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Yes, can't trust the frogs. Oh, say that again. <laughs> of course, there is increasing public concern about the bomb. If I were to be seen to be doing something about it... Yes, I see what you mean. And Ludovic Kennedy is preparing a BBC documentary on civil defence which is likely to be critical of the current situation. But if you were seen to be taking decisive measures... Quite. Yes. I always handle Ludo so frightfully well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Well, where do we start? Well, Minister, just a suggestion. The London borough of Thames Marsh has spent less on civil defence than any authority in the country. Gee, what a ministerial visit, you think? Uh, isn't that Ben Stanley's borough minister, the one with the wispy moustache, the one the press all hate? Good point, Bernard. Get on to it straight away. And get Bill to make sure that the press knows all about this visit. Tell them I lie awake at night worrying about the defenceless citizens of Thames Marsh. <laughs> Do you, minister? Well, I will now. <laughs> Look, mate. What makes you think you can come swanning down here from Whitehall and tell us how to run our borough? I'm not swanning down from Whitehall. I'm simply asking you why you have done less than any other borough in Great Britain to protect the people who elected you. Simple. We can't find the money. Why don't you try looking for it? Oh, that's great. Stop school meals, buy no textbooks. Turn the OAPs out into the cold. I can tell you exactly where you can find it. You can? Yes. Tell him, Dr. Cartwright. <laughs> oh, you can scrap the plans for the new exhibition centre with the artificial ski slope and jacuzzi pool. You can close the feminist drama centre, the council's weekly newspaper and monthly magazine and the welfare rights research department. You can halve the members and management entertainment's allowance, sell the mayor's second daimler, postpone <laughs> the building of the new town hall, and cancel the 20 councillors' tourism fact-finding mission to Jamaica. <laughs> and close the Gave Bereavement Centre. <laughs> That'll save 21 millions on capital account over five years and 750,000 a year on revenue account. Revenue account. Stupid. Why? 
Well, it's depriving the disadvantaged of indispensable services. Jacuzzi pools. <laughs> Look, I don't care if we can afford a fallout shelter. This is a unilateralist borough. We do not believe in nuclear war in Thames Marsh. Mr. Stanley, I don't believe in nuclear war either, but the provision of fallout shelters is government policy. It is not Thames Marsh policy. Thames Marsh has no quarrel with the USSR. Oh, not just the USSR we're frightened of. It could be the... Fr <laughs> the who? The frigging Chinese. Russians do invade us. I suppose they'll stop at the borough boundaries and say, hold on, we're not at war with the London borough of Thames Marsh. White wheel comrades, let's annex Chelsea instead. <laughs> Excuse me, Minister. Yes, brother. I think you may be interested in... Oh. Mr. Stanley, it appears that you would not be called upon to make the supreme sacrifice in any case. What do you mean? I understand that there is a fallout shelter here under the town hall. Well, is there? We didn't build it. <laughs> but you maintain it. It's only a very small one. And there is a place reserved in it for yourself. I was persuaded, with deep reluctance, that my preservation was a necessity in the interest of the ratepayers of Thames Marsh. And what provision have you made for other essential persons? Um, doctors, nurses, ambulance men, firemen, people who might be almost as important as councillors? One of them's a chemist. Great. Nothing like aspirin for the nuclear holocaust. <laughs> Your chap had quite a little publicity triumph down at Thames Marsh, didn't he? Oh, yes, tremendous. You don't sound appropriately happy for him, Humpty. Well, the trouble is, he thinks he's achieved something. Splendid. Life is so much easier when ministers think they've achieved something. It's <laughs> not some fretting, no little temper tantrum. Yes, but now he wants to introduce his next idea. A minister with two ideas. I can't remember when we were. <laughs> oh, it's not his own. He wants to introduce preset failure standards on all council contracts over £10,000 and make a named official responsible. Humphrey. I know, I know. That idiot scheme of Cartwrights again. I thought Gordon had squashed it. Well, he's come over to us now and slipped the scheme to the minister privately under plain cover, brown envelope job. <laughs> you realise it'll be us next. I mean, once you specify in advance what a project's supposed to achieve and whose responsibility it is to see that it does, well, the entire system collapses. You're into the whole squalid world of professional management. <laughs> I've tried to explain to him, I've tried to point out to him that his new responsibilities were for enjoying, not exercising, but I don't know. We already move our officials around every two or three years to stop this personal responsibility nonsense. <laughs> if this happened, we'd be posting everybody once a fortnight. <laughs> he must be stopped. What's his next little publicity trip? Well... Tomorrow he's living his little triumph over again. He's recording a TV interview with Ludovic Kennedy. Documentary on civil defence. Supposing he had a dossier on the curious ways in which local councillors spend their civil defence budgets. How would that help? I've got an idea. Well, perhaps you ought to become a minister. <laughs> just to... Joke, <laughs> Stand by, studio. We're about to record. Quite a change, Mr. Kennedy, for a minister to be given a chance to talk about something that's a success. 
That's unusual for the BBC. Five, four, is this three, a change of policy? Two, one. <laughs> Minister, you've been claiming recently that in your dealings with the local authority, you've been making some progress uh, as regards civil defence. But surely this has been more in the field of publicity than any real achievement. No, 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 Ludo. Civil <laughs> are being made to face up to these issues because of the extra interest that we have generated. Well, you're agreeing your success has been a publicity success. Well, if you want to put it that way, yes, but things are changing. Well, what about Thames Marsh? Ah, Thames Marsh, good example. And as I said in the press, they have got one fallout shelter, and a place in it has been reserved to Mr. Ben Stanley, the leader of the council, who refuses to build shelters for others. Don't you think that's rather hypocritical? Well, surely, Minister, it's reasonable to expect that uh, one of our elected representatives should have a chance of survival... Who is to govern otherwise? In the event of a nuclear holocaust, and of course we all hope and pray that such a thing will never happen, there are perhaps more important people than mere politicians. I mean, doctors, nurses, ambulance men, so on. All people who run essential services. Correct me if I'm wrong, Minister, but is it not a fact that the Prime Minister and the Home Secretary have places reserved for them in government fallout shelters? That is completely different. <laughs> well, there has to be someone to run the, you know... Minister, as I understand it, you're saying that political leaders should give up their places for doctors and nurses. Well, now, have you put this uh, idea to the Prime Minister and the Home Secretary? I think we ought to be extremely careful not to trivialise what is a very serious issue, Ludovic. <laughs> Another example. I've just been told of a borough which sent a group of councillors at the ratepayers' expense to California to look at fallout shelters, and when they got back, they couldn't do anything about it because they had spent the entire civil defence budget for three whole years on the trip. <laughs> How shocking. Shocking. <laughs> Thank you, Miss. Oh, by the way, how did the recording go? Well, I got into a bit of bother over Ben Stanley's bunker. I said that politicians weren't as important as doctors and so on. Did you? And then he said, what about the PM's place in the government shelter? Uh, and what did you say? Well, got out of it, of course. Quite clearly, actually. Mm -hmm. All the same, I'm not too sure how happy the PM will be about it. But then I recovered with a marvellous story I remembered about a group of councillors who went all the way to California to look at fallout shelters and spent three entire years of the civil defence budget on the jaunt. <laughs> May I ask where that came from? Yes, where did that come from, Oh, uh, From the civil defence directorate, Minister. They must have known that you were doing the interview. <laughs> anyway, Minister, I'm sure you know what you're doing. You only say that when I've made an appalling cock-up. <laughs> Minister, you do know that the borough in question contains the PM's constituency <laughs> and that the PM's election agent was the councillor who led the delegation. <laughs> that was just a joke, wasn't it? Well, Number Ten have been trying to keep it quiet for weeks, but... Um, oh, well. Truth will out. No, no, no. No, no. No, it mustn't out. It might look like a personal attack. You know what the PM's like about loyalty just now. Oh, yes. Humphrey, this interview must not go out. Well, unfortunately, Minister, I haven't the time. I must be going. H Humphrey, Humphrey, I... I, 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 I...
I'm... I'm ordering you, Humphrey. Well, alas, Minister, it is your orders that are calling me away. What do you mean? Well, your scheme for imposing preset failure standards on local councils is very complex. You ask for proposals straight away. It's taking every moment of my time, much as I would like to help. However, if implementing failure standards were not quite so urgent... You mean... You can stop this broadcast? Oh, now, Minister, we cannot censor the BBC. Uh, but I happen to be lunching with the BBC's Director of Policy. Uh, perhaps you'd care to join us. But if we can't censor them? Well, we can always try to persuade them to withdraw programmes voluntarily once they realise that transmission is not in the public interest. Well, it's not in my interest. <laughs> and I represent the public, so it's not in the public interest. That's a novel argument. <laughs> we haven't tried that on them before. <laughs> have we? I'm sorry, Mr. Hacker, but the BBC cannot give in to government pressure. Well, let's leave that on one side, shall we? No, 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 no. Let's leave that on one side, shall we? <laughs> Please, Minister. Frank, I wonder if I could raise something else. There is considerable disquiet about the BBC's attitude and hostility towards the government. But that's absurd. Is it? Well, they've been documenting instances of bias in uh, BBC Current Affairs. Favourable news stories not reported. Oh, yes, excessive publicity for other countries' case against Britain. Especially our common market enemies. <laughs> um, partners. Uh, oh, yes. Jokes against the Prime Minister. <laughs> Unnecessary publicity for anti-government demonstrations and uh, Minister's programme. Suggestions not accepted. <laughs> I'm afraid I didn't have room in my case for the others. But, but, but I, I, I'm sure we've got answers to all these. Of course, the BBC's also got answers. Silly ones, but it's got them. <laughs> yes, of course. But I thought it only fair to warn you that questions are being asked. What sort of questions? Uh, well, for example, that... Were Parliament to be televised, whether it shouldn't be entrusted to ITV. <laughs> and whether the BBC administration is actually making the cuts in jobs and premises that we've endured in, in government. And should a select committee be appointed to scrutinise BBC expenditure? But that would be an intolerable intrusion. Well, of course. And then, of course, there's this extraordinary matter of the boxes at Ascot, Wimbledon, Lords, Cotton Garden and the Prom. Ah, yes, well, those are technical requirements. Ah. Uh, production and engineering staff. Hmm. Reports from the Inland Revenue suggest that the production and engineering staff are all holding champagne glasses. <laughs> and are all accompanied by their wives or ladies of... <laughs> and all bear remarkable similarity to governors, directors and executives of the uh, corporation and their friends. <laughs> oh, I say, you've come out very well, haven't you? <laughs> Mind you, it is just possible that we might be able to contain all this criticism, provided the files don't get any larger. And I've been urging my minister that there's really no need to take up this case of the civil defence issue formally. But, but, but... But you must see my position. <laughs> the 
BBC cannot give in to government pressure. No, no, of course not. We wouldn't want them to, would we, Minister? Wouldn't we? No, of course. <laughs> but you see, the Minister's interview with Ludovic Kennedy did contain some factual errors. Factual errors? Ah, well, now that's different. I mean, as you know, the BBC couldn't give in to government pressure. Oh, absolutely mm -hmm. not. But we do set great store by factual accuracy. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> but you see, some of the information in the interview might well be out of date by the time of transmission. Out of date, yes. out of date. Ah, well, now, that's serious. I mean, obviously, the BBC, I mean, as you know, couldn't possibly give in to government pressure. Oh, indeed not. <laughs> but not. we do not want to transmit out-of-date material. And since the recording, I realize that I made one or two inadvertent slips that might have security implications. Such as? He can't tell you what they are. <laughs> Why not? Security. <laughs> I'm probably too careful about security, I do agree. If the defense of the realm is at stake, well, we do have to be very responsible. Mm. I mean, obviously, the BBC couldn't give in to government pressure. No, absolutely. But security, well, you can't be too careful. Can't be too can't careful. Be too careful mm. you say. No, if there are inaccuracies and security worries, well, the BBC wouldn't want to put the interview out. Precisely. That puts a completely different complexion on it. Completely different. The transmission would not be in the public's interest. But I must make one thing absolutely clear. Yes? There can be absolutely no question of the BBC ever giving in to government pressure. <laughs> oh, good news, Minister. The BBC have decided not to send out your interview with Ludovic Kennedy. Really? No, they felt that was the responsible course. Well done. Oh, it was nothing, Minister. And yet, you know, I can't help feeling that I was trapped into saying those things that might have embarrassed the PM. Oh, surely not. Yes. I think I was dropped right in it. <laughs> How could you think such a ridiculous thought? Why is it ridiculous, Humphrey, to imagine that he would have tried to trap me? Who? Ludovic Kennedy. <laughs> oh, Ludovic Kennedy tried to trap me. Yes, well, I'm sure he did. Deceitful crowd, the media. Underhand. Can't trust him an inch. No, deceitful. Thoroughly oh, deceitful. By the way, Humphrey, mm -hmm. I think it might be wise to lay off the local councils. Oh, yes? After all, councillors are responsible... Sensible people on the whole. And of course they are democratically elected. Democratically elected. I do think central government has to be frightfully careful before it starts telling them how to do their job. Oh, frightfully careful. <laughs> and the failure standards. I think the same applies. Don't you? Yes, Minister. <laughs> You have been listening to the Comedy Corner here on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. That's all for this week, folks, so until I speak to you again next week, this is Graham Stevens saying, keep smiling. We've got some off price crack ties, some miles and miles of carpet tiles, TVs, deep freeze, and David Bowie LPs, all games, gold chains, worst names, and Oedipus, and Trevor Francis tracks. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.